this is Gilbert Gottfried, and I want to announce there is new morning show, or their new morning show, online. It's a show called Wake and Bake with Captain Hooter. Ah, that gives you cannabis news, reviews, and interviews. And, um... And I don't know what news on cannabis is. Uh, uh, Like, I was smoking some cannabis, then I looked at my hand, and I started laughing, and then I ate 5,000 peanut butter cups, and then I looked over at a chair and thought it was running after me, and and I freaked out. Anyway, listen to... Captain Hooter on Wake and Bake. It's Captain Hooter. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Oof. Dude, Hooter here. Coming to you high and alive. Just got through rocking out the whiskers. And dude, I'll tell you something. I'm no rock star, but the guy that I'm interviewing today is. I'm talking about Rick Naya. Dude, he is a true rock star in our industry. Wait till you hear the story about how he got started and what he's been doing since then. It's an awesome story. So check out this interview. I'll be back in a little bit. Hola, hola, everyone. Captain Hooter here, back again. We're going round two with the great-grandfather of hybrid, one of the great cannabis advocates and freedom fighters from, from the day and even now, Back once again with Rick Naya. How are you, Rick? Doing well, thank you. Wake and Bake with Captain Hooter. Very happy to be here with you. Hello, everybody out there in the cannabis arena and uh, any of the podcasts or any media out there that's uh, sharing love for the cannabis arena, man, is is where it's at. So thank you so very much for uh, giving us the Wake and Bake and sharing that love with you on Captain Hooter, man. I love it. Dude, thank you so much. And thank you. I had an opportunity to be on your show uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I, as a, as a friend of mine used to say, I take a lesson. I take a lesson from the master. That was, <laughs> that was quite an education experience. Uh, I, I have learned, I, I can't tell you how much I learned just, what, just being a part of your show. Dude, you are a monster. Unbelievable how well you're doing. <laughs> well, I want to thank you. You know, I uh, I tell a lot of people, you know, they, they try to praise me for all the accolades after, you know, being in the cannabis space uh, for 45 to almost 50 years now. 
Uh, yeah, you said the words activist, advocate. I used to advocate as a kid. My, my father slapped me across the face and my mother would insult me and disrespect me. And it was just all negative conjecture due to the federal government and all the blatant lies of health and wellness instead of, you know, an egg in a frying pan that that was going to happen to your brain and you were going to go rape people and bad things would happen and all the worst of the worst would happen. But we, we all came to find that yeah. none of that yeah. was true so i'm really just a, you know a blessed person that continued to walk the walk and talk the talk of a statesman a diplomat yeah. a dignitary within life not just politics not just you know business but for for life in general i i, I think i always would challenge the bullies or i would challenge authority when i knew i felt in my soul I was right. And I believe that that's what people yearn for, a voice that people can reconcile with and know that that person's championing my view. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's with tremendous humility uh, that I even have my show and I share it with the likes of yourself and some of the most famous U.S. cannabis activists and Lifetime Achievement Award winners and MVPs and all of the like, you know, I've won every title that can be had. Uh, I didn't win them. I, I received them with great meekness and humility uh, because it's voted for upon your community. It's nothing that you do. It's everything that they see that you're doing for them. So and while- that's yeah. one of your successes. That's one of your big successes is your community, dude. You have worked so hard getting your peeps together and you are out there. You are going to the events. You have, if anybody that's checking your Instagram or your, your Facebook feed, dude, it's like a, a, a schedule of events of all the goodies in our industry that is coming up. But I wanted to ask you a quick question because I we didn't get a chance to talk about this on our first take here. The way you started this, the way that this all happened literally fell out of the sky. Can you tell that story for the people that don't know it? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, for me, um, what happened was is that um, there was a big gulp incident that had occurred. And the big gulp incident for me was uh, somebody took 30 pounds of mushrooms and boiled them all up. And they confused the gallon of grape juice with the mushroom juice. And they poured me as a child a big gulp full of the mushroom juice. I drank that, all of it, and I end up lost in the woods and uh, a lot of help from doctors, my mother, my family, and it just took years for me to even get my 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 soul intact. Uh, but when it did, I, 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 uh, I was about 14 and a half, 15 years old. That happened at 13. I was about 15. And things just started coming back, and I went camping with some friends. And we were out drinking and smoking and carrying on, listening to music and had a campfire going. And it got to be about 1.32 in the morning and um, we were winding it down. And all of a sudden a huge plane, propeller driven four prop plane flew over our head. And we were like, what the? We, we weren't sure we're watching it fly and bank around and we're going, man, look at that dude. And I said, man, that's one of them smuggler dope planes. And they're all looking at it. We're, we're looking at the three of us. It was me and two other friends. We're looking at it. And one of my stepbrothers, we're watching and we're watching. A dude, look, look, look. And all of a sudden, we saw lights from like eight cars, 16 different vehicles, eight on each side, lit up the, the, the like a, a path through the woods. 
and we were 300 yards away or so. We put our fire out. We watched it go down. We saw the bales coming out. You could hear boom, 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 boom. You could see the silhouette of guys running around with machine guns, standing there just waiting and just... It looked almost military to me because it was like a military looking plane. The way that they were organized, I mean, it happened real fast. And within, I'm telling you, within an hour, those vehicles got rank and file and left the woods. Okay. Now, what I found interesting is I could smell weed. And I told my buddies, man, that's weed over there. I'm going over there. They're going, oh my God, I'm not going. They'll kill us, man. I'm going, fuck you. They're gone. I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> and they got so scared. I just jumped in my truck and literally drove over tree branches and trunk and just drove over there. When I got there, I got out. It was still dark and I couldn't see anything, but I saw these little pock marks all over the ground, little white dots everywhere. And I couldn't believe it. And then the sun started coming up and I could see weed everywhere. And then I just started taking the big chunks, big square chunks off of bales and sections of bales and loading them up into the back of my truck. And as the sun kept getting up further, I picked up the white things and I realized, what is this roarer? Seven months. <laughs> Oh, so we loaded up the truck and on the last chunk of, of cannabis that I had was a big piece of about 50 pound piece. And we, we must've got 600 pounds easy. Oh. I tripped over a duffel bag and it was full of quaaludes, 50,000 quaaludes in each little package. There was 500,000 quaaludes in one duffel bag. God. I, I was 15 years old. Oh. So here I am, a millionaire, overnight, and didn't know it because yeah. it was on the news in the next few days, and our parents were ultra conservatives, and it could never be known that we all made a pact, and we kept that pact for over six years. We didn't say a peep, but we were selling weed. We were selling joints. We'd roll up joints, go to the skate rink, the bowling alley, and go to little concerts and festivals at our fairground and the racetrack, and we would sell joints two for a dollar. And we thought we were the kings. We were the kings of town. Everybody knew you need a joint. Go see Dickie. Go see Dickie and, and Eric. They had all, we had all the weed. And then when the news came out about the quaaludes, we knew, oh my God, we didn't sell those for three years. We, we kept them hidden. <laughs> and then we sold them in packages of 50,000 for like 10 grand each because we were smart. They were selling for, a, a, you know, 10, $20 a piece by this yeah. time. And we just got rid of us. We made all kinds of money. We had all the best clothes, all the best fishing and hunting gear. We had all the best gear you could think of, but um, it was an experience uh, that fell from the sky. And um, that's the legends at the beginning of Gainesville Green because exactly with the, money, with the money that I garnered from selling joints, I gave my brother, uh, and at the time, $300 was a lot and, and an ounce over $50 was unheard of. So it was $150 an ounce. I paid for some Maui Wowie and I saved that, that big last nug. Always, I always smoked the smallest to the biggest and saved it that way. And then that last best nug, two seeds came out. And I had a bunch of Colombian seeds and I thought, hey man, I'm going to plant these. And as a little boy, we don't know. This is all noon in America, the 60s and 70s. It was, it was pretty new to us. Yet, you know, cannabis had been around for tens of thousands of years. In America, it came through the Vietnam War and the peace and love movement of the hippies. Those of us that moved to Northern California to get away and, and do the, uh, the combines and, and, and share that love uh, with one another and the truth. And if it wasn't for the hippies and 
and that culture, I would have never learned what it was to even use my, my paraphrase, Rick Naya, the great grandfather of hybrid cannabis, share the love. Mm-hmm. I learned that through hippies and I learned truly, uh, truly everything that I have from my grandmother, my sister, my mom, and my nanny. They taught me to love and to give and to share and to not um, be a bogart. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is why, man. You can't have it. I was the guy who would go, here you go, man. You can have that. And I would have mine and you could have yours. And people would always look at me, man, dude, you're cool. You're cool. You're cool. But back in the word, back in the day when cool was used, it was mean, put a sweater or jacket on. You were cool. Yeah. Uh, and when you were cool, when you became cool back in that day, dude, you were actually cool. That guy is cool. So I, I didn't even get it. I didn't get it. I grew up in a whole nother facet of life. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not your ordinary being. Um, even though we're all very special and we all carry one special gene, the, the God gene, the Boone Hawson gene. I, I understand these things, but I myself knew I was chosen when that trip came. And I knew early on something big was going to happen for me. Something big. I didn't know. But when the Colombian pollinated the Hawaiian, it was the beginning of the first international hybrids ever born in America. The Gainesville Green became the skunk in the Northern Lights. And as we know it, it changed the world of hybrids forever. And I'm just, I was a very, very quiet. I didn't talk about any of those things. I would just always support cannabis. I'd share it with love and compassion for others as a patient or a caregiver. Like, dude, man, you're hyper. Calm the fuck down. Smoke (laughs) I used to tell my little brother, dude, you need to calm down. You need to smoke a joint or you need to do a hit of some acid, man. You know what reality is. You don't get reality yet, Eddie. And uh, little and lo and behold, he went to college and called me one day. I love you, Rick. Why? What happened? What did you do? I did some acid. I know what reality is now, Rick, and I love you for teaching me this and explaining that to me. I get emotional. Oh, no, that's so cool, man. You yeah. know, I had I had the mommy Jane on yesterday, and, and you know, she's been uh, one of the major uh, advocates for uh, uh, mothers be, to be able to consume uh, cannabis. Mommy Jane, yeah, mommy and, Jane. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I told her on there that you talk about different childhood. So see, I, I, I told her, I said, my mom was a hippie and she was a hippie pre hippie time. So I was born in 61. I know that we're, we're, we're pretty close around there. And, uh, he, July 4th, 1962. There you go. And, and my mom, uh, my dad told me, uh, to his dying day that, you know, you see all those crack babies out there. He says, if there was such thing as a weed baby, you'd have been a weed baby because your mom smoked every single day of her pregnancy and, you know, didn't take pills, didn't drink, but she smoked. And uh, so, you know, I, I felt like I, my moment came while I was still uh, in the womb. Uh, <laughs> I was getting, I was becoming a, a getting a prep for Captain Hooter in the womb. <laughs> I can assure you my mother and father were not consuming anything. They never drank. Opposite. They never my mother never touched anything. I think I saw her have a glass of wine or sangria once in a while, uh, but she was never one uh, for anything to influence her mind. Uh, my mother was a 21st century trailblazer uh, of Cuban descent and came to this country uh, and really did what the epitome of any citizens that was either born here, but she came here through a revolution in Cuba 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was forced out of her country. And she said, when in America, do as Americans. And I was, I was the pride child, you know, the 4th of July baby. My father loved America. Uh, they cried when they read, uh, you know, when they became citizens, they wept dearly and with pride for that red, white, and blue. And they believed in that so wholeheartedly. And um, religious my people, mother, my, my, well, we're Cuban, of course, we're Catholic, you know, you know, was driven down your throat. I was an altar boy till I was 16 years old. The only reason that I stopped being an altar boy was because my father bought me a car, bought me a surfboard, and I would go to church in the car and, uh, you know, bring the surfboard. And after church, I'd go surfing. And he looked at me one morning, goes, why are you going to church? Why aren't you just going surfing? And I looked at him and I said, well, dad, we don't have an altar boy. I'm the only one. He goes, son, you're 16. They stopped doing that at 13. You're three years overdue. Go have some fun on your new board. And I looked at my mom, and grandmother, and nanny, and all of them, and it was actually the very first time that I bucked my mother and that Catholicism system. My father allowed that, and I went for it. And every Sunday, you could believe one thing. I was on my surfboard down at the pump house in Palm Beach, sending it, and um, just sharing love, man. I, I think anybody that knows me from grade school and high school, they'll all probably say the same thing. Man, he was crazy as fuck. That guy was fucking crazy, man. He did any, he was out of bounds, but he was very loving. Yeah. And he'd, he'd beat anybody up and defend you if there, somebody tried to hurt you. Or he was always there for us. I was a leader and a quarterback and our teams were always championship teams. And I was our pitcher and quarterback and our one of our stars in basketball. So I loved sports and i was good at them and i think that the community that i grew up in in palm beach gardens allowed me to be me as we always respected one another but my father was pretty big in the community and he gave a lot to the community and the citizens there respected that and i learned that from my father how to give unconditionally for the untold things that they say in all bibles give to receive is not a lie it just depends on how you truly give and the manner in which you receive okay. so i well, never you already received you already received a zillion uh, quaaludes and uh, free weed from the sky sure you had to spend the rest of your life giving it all back you got it all right in the beginning that's a good point <laughs> still through the women in my family through church religion but most of all my grandmother and my nanny uh, um, my sister was my, like, the coach in the corner. Go, 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 don't stop. And she was that cheerleader that never stopped. Mm -hmm. God bless my sister. I love her to pieces. And then, but my grandmother was the, the convection where I could go to after a hard day or whatever and just go sit and lay on her bed. And she'd be in her chair reading her rosary and her Bible like she did every day. And she'd say, so, what happened? What's the matter? And I would spill it. And then she would surmise it all and have a way to empower me with it and it's kind of like what i do now with people i empower the people that are trying from the legacy market i get very emotional about these things because i've been doing this a long time yeah 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 and i see the arena and I've, i'm the one that dubbed it there is no one else that used the word arena it is the cannabis arena 
We're on the world stage. We're the largest business and industry on the planet. We touch every facet of every industry, whether it be medical, legal, technical, sciences. It doesn't matter. Cannabis is here and it's there to, here to stay now. And I'll never forget the day that the Harvest Cup came around. And we were at, uh, it's a large venue in Worcester at, at one of the big like arenas, like, holy shit, this is a fucking stadium. Yup. And we never, I, I had always dreamed as a child, one day we're going to be at, at the Palm Beach uh, County Auditorium. And it was a big arena. And my father slapped me on my mouth one time really, really hard and it bled and everything. And I got a big lip from it because I said that. So I remember being asked, hey, Mr. Nye, would you come to this event for us? You know, and I'm like, oh, sure. You know, I'm a guest host. I'm not the owner, but I, I operate as if I am the owner and I am the gladiator and champion of cannabis at all means. And people don't know that about me. So they asked me, could you please come? Could you please come? So I came. It was a Thursday. They were setting up and I got in there and I literally started weeping like a little girl. And people had to come over and say, Mr. Nye, are you OK? Are you all right? What's wrong? And I. And I told him, I said, you know, 40 years ago, I told my dad this and he beat my ass. Here I am today and I see all of the names of all of the sponsors and vendors who are going to be there, all of which have been at my festivals and events, all of which we've helped foster through community events. And I just wept because I knew this is the beginning, dad. This is just the beginning and I'm glad and I'm humbled by so many that see that within me, this great reverence for them for their sacrifices for their passion and love their losses and their gains the scratched knees and broken arms along the routes that this path of cannabis was not for the weak of heart a lot of people get in now and they're all oh, it's tough it's saturated and i look at them as and i, and I wonder <laughs> what do you mean by that where is your passion at what is it that you're trying to accomplish it's your dream, not everyone else's. You carry this like me, my glow. People tell me, Rick, you glow, dude. There's something about you. Well, I don't live in duality. I live with you right now on this screen live. I don't expect what happened yesterday to change what happens tomorrow. Those outcomes, you can't, they, they, that doesn't work that way. I've learned to manifest my will within me and pray deeply and my convictions unfold through prayer uh, it's an amazing thing uh, i don't wish it on anybody if, you, if, you, if people talk about duality i don't live in duality i'd like to meet you i'd like to see your soul sign you know that soul shine mm -hmm. i'd like to know that you're in the now with me because i don't need to look at what's coming nor what left i only mm -hmm. look at what's right now and i'm very blessed for that you remind me of, you remind me of Mila uh, when she talks about uh, smoking her hash. Uh, I, I interviewed her uh, very famously a couple of years ago and asked her what was the best hash she ever smoked in her life, uh, oh, being wow. the hash queen. And she says, the one I'm smoking right this second. Uh, oh, she's, wow. She's very much in the, the moment, right? And that I have so much respect for her. You know, I have a question. I want to go back again because uh, the, the Gainesville Green, you so you mixed the Maui Wowie seeds with what was it? Was it was it Colombian gold? 
was Colombian ball. We found later on it was a Santa Marta because it had that hashashine flavor, that true gold hash flavor, not the limonene and uh, the Punta Roja. This one was the one, and uh, it was the gold cannabis. It was the one. It was the true. And that essentially was the the parents of skunk. or one of the parents. Well, right? the, what it is, and in and, and, and the folklore and the histories of what people talk about, some of the stuff gets to skew, but I can assure you, and I can tell you the truth, and this has been, you know, through magazines and different, uh, you know, it, whether it be uh, even um, Sensi Magazine or, or Greenleaf, and the people that do their work, they have to study. They don't just go in there and say, hey, this yeah. guy, the great grand. No. Well, the Colombian gold, and the Maui Wowie became the Gainesville Green. The Gainesville Green ended up in Oregon, in Washington. That of which the Sims brothers, which were friends of Bobby Bullard's from high school or college at University of Florida, I gifted some of the seeds to Bobby. And he grew it up in Gainesville with the, in the Hells Angels and they gave some to two brothers. They were the Sims brothers. Mm-hmm. The Sims brothers went back to Oregon and Washington and they took the Gainesville and grew it and hit it with a tie and an Afghani, that of which became the Northern Light and yeah. Skunk. That's and uh, I, I have the original F1, 2, 3, and 5, the four we threw out because it was about as worthless and it was Hermie. It was no good. It was a shit variant. <laughs> and uh, it was the number five of the Northern Lights that uh, I think that we settled with, but Neville took off because they wanted to arrest his ass and he ran over to Amsterdam with all the seeds and then went hell ballistic with all of those European strains from Africa and Europe and Asia that he was able to to foster. So my cannabis went from America to Europe within a few, four, three or four years of even growing this product. And Gainesville uh, was synonymous to either clone or there were no seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, people did wow. the same all the mills in the day the Gainesville fell to the wayside <clears throat> but I have the original variants of the Maui Wowie and the Colombians and I can regrow it and Damn. I'm, wait- I'm waiting for that golden opportunity for the right mission with the right people to not only bring back the antiquities and reassure the skunk of the northern light because I have the originals from the skunk and the Northern Lights. I'm the guy that holds the true seeds from Neville, myself, and the, and the Synth Brothers. I'm, I'm probably one of the only ones that can say, he's got the, the skunk one. I am. I hold that vault, and I hold it very, 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 very dearly and privately and quietly for over 40 years, 45 years. So you can Well, imagine- I'll tell you, I will tell you that I just interviewed two weeks ago uh, uh, Ben Dronkers. And, ben, uh, right on. I, I, I'm sure you do. It's impossible not to know that man. Uh, I, I said that if there is a uh, if there's a Mount Rushmore of weed, he's probably the Lincoln face. Uh, <laughs> that guy is uh, that guy's been around, done that. And, yeah, and and I mean he's over a thousand different cultivars now. And oh seeds, no, or and more. Has, yeah, I yeah, think, or more. Or more. I think my vault, when it comes to cultivars and rarities from different countries, I'm near eight some eight hundred and some odd different variants from around the planet. But the ones that I carry, there are probably a hundred of them that are no longer. Mm-hmm. You 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 can't find them. You can't ask Don, Dan, anybody. Where mm-hmm. are these? 
Well, they came from countries that got, they're no longer. Uh, they came from regions that now are just wiped out in buildings. Uh, they're, you know, in a mountainous terrains that come from, you know, antiquities prior to the war-torn world that we're in now when Americans could walk around Afghanistan and Pakistan and wave at people without getting shot and killed for being white. Yeah, uh, it, it's a terrible uh, thing, but w quite honestly, when I show my vault, and it, I have my vault in three different places, I carry a portion, Nacho carries a portion, and Jeff Wells carries a portion. So the three of us have what's considered probably in, in, in privacy, <clears throat> probably one of the most diverse cannabis vaults on the planet. And it's, it, it, we don't care to share this with the world, or the, we don't care to do that. We're, we're, we're very meek, humble men that are doing this in reverence for nature organics and not for the gold dome or the page or all this fanfare and wealth uh i could have become a i've already was a multi-millionaire i gave all that shit away every fucking nickel of it i didn't want the money i i've, I've garnered more wealth yeah. and power than my cash could ever have bought me though i was <laughs> very very powerful uh financially and politically acute i um I'm much more meek and humble and more powerful in the cannabis arena than I will ever have been in the world and the financial economics of our planet when it comes to green money. Uh, that wealth like Elon Musk and all these guys, hey man, you know what? I piss on that. Fuck you. You know, that doesn't turn my boat at the fuck all, man. Been there, done that, had it, seen it. Only thing I haven't done is flown to the fucking moon. I've done everything most human beings could ever dream of doing. I've already done everything. So I needed to give it back. It was ruining my children money. Uh, the power and the wealth was contaminating them. So I stopped uh, completely. I did a full, complete turnaround. Everybody hated me. My family despised me. They thought, this is it. We're going to abdicate you. You're done. You're no longer part of the family. And I'm, I just, <laughs> God. they didn't. They allowed me to continue doing what I did best. And finally, when I let go of duality and my gene spoke, I knew in this fucking world, that it takes a lot of fucking balls to listen to the spirit that speaks to you, firstly, but secondly, to obey it and relinquish all wealth, to relinquish all things, to relinquish everything that you once held in adoration or, or, or security, to let it go, take a breath, and know that that's the breath that's going to keep you alive. Now, manifest thy will within thee. The, all the Bibles say you can do this. Our consciousness now being studied, not only at CERN, but in a myriad of different technical ways. They're starting to realize that our mind's power, our pineal gland, our aura and energy moves neutrinos, macro and micro. We move things with our energy. So I learned long ago through that trip, and it took me 35 years to understand what could happen but after that 35 years i knew i'll say it out loud my highest powers my god is that you that's speaking to me for real because if it is i hear you and i want to obey you because i've heard if you don't you don't get to elevate when you ascend in this world and you mm -hmm. ascend into this electromagnetic resonance we call the light the truth of the the bosom of the she he of it all the power of all this is very fascinating also because we're, we're now we're starting to get into an area here where 
I was looking today, you know, I'm very heavily into virtual reality, VR and uh, AR. Uh, oh, man, wow. okay. A, okay. A man, a man created, uh, I have, I have a, a Hooterverse in the virtual world with a smoke uh, room and uh, art gallery and everything for, uh, that's all based on Amsterdam. Ah! But this man has got a new app. He's got a new app, a VR app that is supposed to replicate as closely as possible having an acid experience. And one of the interesting, I was reading all about it. This is an MIT guy. This is a brand new thing. I just heard about it today. I've signed up for the course to, or not a course, but to experience this. And one of the things that they talked about in how he recreates an acid experience has to do with light. And I'm nowhere near uh, uh, qualified to discuss it probably much more than this other than it's a light thing that ends up happening where you become the light in part of this acid experience in the virtual 3D experience. It sounded, whoa. And, and I was thinking, okay, so you can do this virtual. How long do you think it'll be before really we will be in a position in the world, not virtually, but in a normal scenario, able to do psychedelics freely uh, everywhere. You know, microdosing is 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 starting to become a thing. But what's your opinion? Because you've been, you've seen this. How long do you oh, think heavens. it's going to be? Oh heavens! If I haven't seen it, I've experienced it. I've done it, <laughs> uh, not just once or twice. And I, and 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 I I want people to understand something about me. <laughs> the amount of mushroom juice that I drank can kill people. I was lost for six days in the woods and put into a coma for three days. And when I woke up, the actual trip that my mind could comprehend allowed the treasure trove of the book of life to set itself in my, my, my barometric neurological storage banks. I'm connected to that light. And yesterday I read that while they're studying, because I, I follow up on CERN and all of these types of studies of the mind and consciousness and the molecules and the magnetic resonance and the neutrinos and the microns and what's going on. Now they want to build another collider specifically for the microno. Now they've got to the space where it isn't just the atoms that they found something more, even much more special. But at the end of the document, what they said was that the light, the particle of light, light is infinite. It never dies. What do you mean? Well, we can go into a black room with the light on, turn the light off, and there'll be light in that room, even when it's black. You may not see your hand for an hour or a minute. In time, as you acquiesce, the particles of these microns and neutrinos and electrons and protons and neutrons and atoms are moving in air. They're moving at all time. It's a vibration. That vibration never stops. So when you hit something, it goes ping, and you hear the ping. That ping doesn't stop. You stopped hearing that vibration, but the vibration moves with the efforts of many a different, a myriad of different things. But I find it very interesting that I got to experience the light. And not only that, I was captured by the bosom of that light. And it felt like a woman. It felt like 
an infinite powerful being that was femininely loving but extremely powerful and masculine at the same time but you knew that inherently because we all come and people ask the chicken or the egg i came from a chicken i don't know about you you could roll around on an egg all you want but i certainly came there was a chicken first there was something other than first and this thing had to have been in a sense feminine because only feminine women woman can produce an egg and through that egg is life sustained so I have always known through when I got captured by the bosom and traveled through the helix of life and the portals of, of the wormholes. And my body was as a child, a, a 13 year old virgin little boy, you know, altar boy, we yay, still Mickey Mouse and, you know, Donald Duck and stuff like this and Cinderella. What happened was that those portals were open and I got to understand something that many didn't, I couldn't talk about it. I'd always do extraordinary things and amazing things. And they go, how did you do that? Oh my God, that's unbelievable. You know, the half court shot or the, the football touchdown pass, it had to be, and if it wasn't, the, you lost the whole season. I was that kid that for some reason, it would always go in, it always won, we won something. And I'd always tell them, I don't know, but I do know this. I think God has something to do with it. God, God, God. I just kept saying, God, God, God. And as I got older, just look at me. I fucking look like God or Hercules or what? Mm-hmm. One of these guys, they just look at me this way. Well, I don't know why, but I do know this, that that trip exposed me to something that I put into a Pandora's box. And only until I met a guy like you or a buddy that he said, hey, man, that story is amazing, but you need to go back in that box and open mm-hmm. it. And you need to evaluate these things now, Rick. You're brilliant. You need to understand them. And I did. So he goes, here, take a hit of acid. So I took one, nothing happened. I took two, nothing happened. And this went on for three or four weeks, nothing. A couple months later, I go, hey, look, give me 10 of those things. Let's see what happens. He goes, fuck, all right, here you go. I laid 10 down and the light switch went on. I was like, would you look at that? A microdose. Maybe, maybe, maybe because of the major dose that you took at the, such a young age. That, yes. I had yeah. already expanded my yep. to its maximum. Wow. So, hey, I got to see a little, little difference. Like, hey, this is uh, unusual. He's looking at me. Ten minutes, dude, you huddled on the ground, boiling, probably calling 911. You'd be out of your fucking mind like most kids do, and they never come back. They, they end up... <laughs> And I was like, yeah, no, no, no. It's just all I sense is that the light's on. And he goes, okay. Six months later, we go to this big-ass festival, and they all start doing, hey, I'm doing five. Hey, I'm doing six. And they all start <laughs> doing it. And then I go, give me that fucking thing. And I lay down about 80 hits on my tongue. No, dude, come on. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they looked at me and went, it's too late now. It hit his tongue. And I spent three and a half, four hours in a puddle where my molecules melted. I was nothing but a stew of molecules. This eye could see there. This one could see over there. Uh, I could hear a conversation across the field there and what was going on next to me. I could see my molecules puddling all around me. Uh, They gave me a bunch of fruit and water to try to revive me. And all of a sudden, I just felt it like a tornado. Everything spooling together. Everything started spooling. And it and I went and I shot into space and I landed right in her bosom again. 
And I'll never forget the comment. I don't have time right now. You have a lot of work to do. <laughs> God. She sent me That's back. Awesome. She sent me back. And I spent four and a half days, you know, walking around on uh, what they told me. They said, Rick, it looked like you were riding a chariot of fire. You, we could see the energy coming off of you because they were tripping too. And I had my hands on the reins of this golden lit chariot on fire. Oh following me around, I'd pull up and I'd pull the horses back and they'd go, dude, look at them. And they all knew. They all knew. And then I went white. I just like like uh, Abraham went up and he got the, you know, the, the Ten Commandments and he comes down all white. Well, that kind of happened to me after that trip. <clears throat> it sent me into, pre into the precedence of, wow, I know now I am... I am nothing but a flesh carcass, a prison of flesh and bone. Everything else about this skull, this thing is about as worthless as, as it is. Let it die kind of a thing. Let my spirit be consumed so I can share back. Because I know, I, I don't like talking about what happened in that one because I, mm -hmm. I know too much already. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. I stay in my lane lit like this. And I only speak when spoken to or I see someone getting championed or bullied. Dude, have you met have you met Max Montrose yet? Max Montrose, the name sounds familiar. Max Montrose, okay. I'm gonna love to get you guys together. Uh, Max Montrose is uh, my mentor. He's my Obi Wan Kenobi. He's the one who who gave me the missing link that I needed to truly understand cannabis. Um, he is the head of the Tricom Institute, and he is living up in Oregon, and he's an expert at uh, sacred plants. Uh, oh, He's growing uh, cacti and he is doing all kinds of interesting things up there now that he's legally able to do so in Oregon. And uh, during our interview, he was discussing uh, a bit of, and, and, uh, uh, about dimensions and about having already went 20,000, you know, 2000 years into the future and having already been through the past and it's very similar to what you're discussing and uh, uh i think that uh i can't wait to get to oregon or get somewhere where i'm not <laughs> i'm not here in a place where i can't play around um i, I want to take you back for, here for a second i'm going to go back into the cannabis side for a second but in a little ways do you know soma in amsterdam soma sacred seeds yes soma Soma Seeds, very famous uh, American who, who came to Amsterdam, became very famous. I had heard something. I did an interview with him and I asked him about it, but I had heard something. And I want to get your feedback on this as, as a master grower and, and cultivator also. There was a rumor when I first got to Amsterdam that uh, Soma was somebody who had taken a lot of psychedelics and uh, one of the secrets to the success of his plants or to, to some of his cultivars was the fact that he was using his urine with the psychedelics in his system to water the plants. Have you ever heard of anything like, now, now I'll tell you what he told me later, but I, before I tell you that, I'm, I'm curious, have you ever heard anything like that before? Well, I've heard a lot of things in my travels down Shakedown Lane in this world, you know, <laughs> And also being an elder uh, for the Grateful Dead, you know, you know, I've seen a lot. Yes, I've spoken sir. to a lot of shaman. I've spoken to a lot of shamistic people. I've 
spoken to, I think, otherworldly beings who've really lost themselves in their own minds and really aren't. It's it's hard to explain. Yeah. Okay. It's hard to say, but I can say this: uric acid and acid from, uh, uh, you know, from urine um, can be used in certain circumstances or low acid soils or conditions where the need for it would be. But I, I, I really kind of, if you're going to piss, <laughs> you know, piss on the outskirts of your grow area so that other animals or people think humans are there, I don't okay. use urine. Uh, though now, like I said. You could use water, urine, and, and different uric forms in water. And if you knew what the pH levels and the PPM levels were on it, and you adjusted them accordingly to your nutrients and determined that it's going to help your intake, that, yeah, you, 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 it, this very well might work. Now, mind you, if you're doing a shit ton of acid and mushrooms and you're peeing and your pee has <laughs> these molecules all within it as well, mm -hmm. you'll have to understand plant, cannabis is one of the only plants in the plant kingdom that actually removes toxins from soils. Yes. Mm -hmm. she, so. she is cannabis. I call her, she's feminine to me. Now, of there, course. There's a male, but she is... And as we know, just look at the cannabis plant, it grows just like a helix. The buds grow just like a strand of DNA. There is a tremendous amount that cannabis and people out here, and I want them all to know that, you know, cannabis isn't a, uh, a drug that uh, saves everybody from all ailments. And I'm sorry to say it, it is, it is, it is, it is. There are medicines out here that, that are needed for people. Many of us, though, have deficient endocannabic systems. Now, what's, what we have to understand, we always used to talk about central nervous system, our nervous system, our nervous system. Well, the problem that people were, didn't understand 40 and 50 years ago when they were making these petrograde chemicals and poisons to try to shock these nerves, that the problem didn't really lie in the nerve itself. It lied in how the nerves are being fed how the nutrients and peptides and enzymes and all of the macronutrients that are distributed through this endocannabic system. It's the orchestrator of all health and wellness within our bodies, organs, and organisms. Cannabis plant if we don't look back at history, you don't understand who the Anunnaki were, you don't go back in the true history, not stuff written for the universities and shit like this is pushed around. True ancient history, you'll know this. Some people came to this fucking planet a long time ago and brought beings to life and festered them into whom we are. And on top of that, while doing so, the plant that they're standing in front of is a cannabis plant. They're holding their purses. They got their watches on. You can see all this stuff on these antiquities chipped onto these stones. And you wonder, what the fuck? Those people brought that goddamn plant to this planet specific to our health and wellness. It's designed not only from within us, but through us and in us. So cannabis is not only part of whom we are, we are part of what it is. 
And the sooner people begin to understand that it is a health and wellness, holistical vegetable, plant, it is not, it can, it can be a drug, it can be um, overconsumed. It's not addictive. Some people consume it high levels and concentrates and have very, uh, you know, alarmingly uh, needs for these high concentrated rosins and distillates and isolations and combinations thereof. And it helps some of these people's problems. Because let me tell you, get a bad car accident, have your back broken in 19 pieces and your hips and your legs and your body and your pins and plates and screwed all in you. And you talk about trying to survive on opiates and then you give some of these cannabis concentrates and watch their quality of life change. That's when you begin to understand when you see a child convulsing, having these convulsing and frothing and and with helmets on and you're crying because you go, what can I do for this baby? And then they give them the cannabinoids and watch that child rescind and end up riding a bike and going to school. Let me just say, prior to the 1950s or early 40s, there were no chemical compounds other than natural ones, everybody. The petrograde chemical, that means gasoline, crude oil companies own the what? The companies that make the chemicals that own the what? The companies that make the pills that sell them to the hospitals that the doctors are forced to give and prescribe to us. Now, mind you, there's one sentence that may do this for you, never claims it does, it'll, it'll cure. There's never a cure. But then the bottom of the, that that sentence and the other three or four or five paragraphs and the six pages that are stapled to it are nothing but what it can cause as damage to your body. Now, I, I, I don't understand this. They've spent billions of dollars for byproducts off of petrol grade poisons, gasoline. I'm not going to drink gas. And you're going to put this in pills and tell us that it's okay, but there's going to be problems. So be careful. You can't, and, and if you have these ailments, don't take it. And all these, and then we have an FDA that says this is okay. This is not okay. What we need to do is get rid of that shit and work holistically and make the compounds because they've been around for tens of thousands of years. I what call, do you think of what do you think about Rick Simpson oil in this same vein? God bless Rick. You know, he wasn't the first. Rick Simpson was not the first to make oils. Believe you me, he was the first to bring it to the masses in medicinal sense and really drove it through in that portion as a gladiator and a warrior to help save lives. So I have to say, Rick Simpson, RSO, Rick Simpson oils, they can do a being a lot of good, especially if they're having serious problems with cancers, neurological issues. Uh, abdominal because our body you know you don't survive without your gut that's why i got a gut feeling well you got more cbd receptors in your gut than you have anywhere in your body remember that the celiac lining that that feather i call it the feather the pillow in our stomach's lining it's like a bunch of microscopic feathers that exude uh, uh acids well that is the goldilocks zone so to speak because that's where all the nutrients get transposed to our endocannabic system so it can deliver the precise amount of nutrients to every single cell and nourish every part of our body's organs and mind and brain to bring us great balance and health and wellness so why the fuck are we sticking gasoline in there yeah, why are we sticking poisons in that this is not a, the healthy option there are other alternatives and we should turn back the clock on this 
Okay, we should truly stop using all those compounds and chemicals that come from gasoline in cereals, soups, dressings. The grocery stores are full of them. Our, our cooking pans, the cooking pans. That was the story today that is liver, liver cancer because all of the, the floating radicals in the pans that you're cooking with. We are now finding that we're an organism. Why are we poisoning this organism to try to keep it alive? That's insane. Oh, give us something holistic. Give us something natural. All right, well, increase the, uh, the potency of it. Concentrate the shit out of it. See what happens. Oh, my God, look, it's alive. It seems to have worked. Would you look at that? Well, it's typical that that's the space that the government and the big powerful money has put themselves in. That in the early days, I remember in 74... Uh, when Nixon put down the law, it removed mm. all cannabis-related information out of universities. You couldn't use the word. It couldn't be in universities, schools, libraries. It was like expunged, like communism. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't mm -hmm. know that I'm Cuban, but if you went to Cuban history, you won't find it. It's been wiped from the face of the earth. But I can assure you, if you speak to the, the Cubans from Cuba, from my era, you'll know who my family was. You'll know, and the world will know. So it's really quite something, uh, the, the, the you stories. Know, that you, come, you, you mentioned the oil companies and, and, and you know, their, their, their part and how they played in this. You know, the, the, the other guy that I, you know, that I think of and who I blame a good portion of this on was William Randolph Hearst. Right. I'll share a little piece of history with you. You know, I know a lot about Hearst, what he did with paper, rubber. I know what he did in Mexico. I know a lot of stuff he did to Ford. I know a lot of stories about William Randolph Hearst. Not only did he fish and come to my family's home in Cuba. See, my family founded Cuba in the 1540s. We came from the Spanish monarchy. We were one of the five principalities sent to Cuba to, uh, you know, conquer the island and then turn it into the Spanish treasure trove that it became. But the Malancón de Cuba was built by my family. Half of the island's sugar was my family's. Rum from Cuba, tobacco from Cuba were on our ships. We owned all the major ports of Cuba, the railroad of Cuba. My family was the magnates of Cuba. So I know a lot about ancient history that's being trying to be wiped off the face of the earth by, by a government. So I grew up very quickly understanding oil. Why? We own the very first oil barges in the world. My family built the very first crude oil barges in the planet. We brought oil and taught Houston how to refine bunkered fuel for diesel. Our family was so powerful that the very first transcontinental oil contracts ever written the first billion dollar contract ever written in the world was written by my family. Lloyd's of London's bank, the Lloyd's, hi Lloyd's, love you guys. The Lloyd's are endeared to me. They love me to pieces. For it was through my family's money and finances and support that helped the Lloyd's continue to move. Why? Because we own the largest fleet of ships. Mm -hmm. Was your family part of the Knights of Columbus or that whole other? Knights of Columbus? Knights of Columbus. I'll share what Knights of Columbus says. That's just part of a, a, of a priest who took up a special devoutness. And I'm a knight also of the fourth degree. I can wear the big hat and I can wear all that plumage. I'm I I am a knight of Columbus. I saw so. that. I saw I saw that in your profile. So that's why I was I was looking before and I was going, wait a second, is that how the 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 lineage of that trickled into there or no, no, because that was just through religion that that particular part of it. But I can say this, 
In Spain, there's a castle, the Naya castle. And in that castle, the inquisitions were held. The second crusades left from that castle. My family comes from a long lineage of blue bloods who sacrificed themselves. And we were known as La Guardia Esparda del Rey, which means the king's guard. All the guards in the castle were one thing. But the guys that walked around with the king, even when he was drinking, smoking, fucking, and were in the room with him, that was our family. So I come from a very long lineage of uh, Spanish imperialism and shit. So I learned through my nanny and through my black background family friends and jamaican family and culture and from florida and and like the slave people the elders the truth and i it, it, it humbled me and then i realized holy fuck we brought the rum tobacco rice and sugar all up there they made the money and we brought all the slaves back and they were the ones making my family wealthier and wealthier and wealthier i felt like shit i felt terrible and then God spoke in my soul and cannabis woke back up again. And I end up, as you, I think a little earlier, I showed a, a photograph of uh, myself at the state house um, smoking a blunt on the steps. Yes, I fighting the power. That was my office. I used to spend half of my life there for I don't know how many years trying to get people to understand that cannabis was. You think it's. Do you think it's rigged to a certain extent? You know, I, I there was a there was a really there was a, a there was a movie out. Uh, God, and I'm not going to remember this. I, I smoke too much weed. Uh, the guy who was the accountant for the the Cosa Nostra, um, Meyer Lansky. Oh, look at that! Pulled it right out. Pulled it right out of my ass. That's great, Meyer Lansky. And there was a movie, and I think it was Richard Dreyfus who played the character. And uh, there's one section in there where Lansky is talking to a young reporter and he says, you know, here's the thing. In the future, the government will control prostitution, gambling, all drugs, and all alcohol. Why? Because that's where the money is. And if you work under that as being the, the premise <laughs> of for almost every stupid decision that's made and you go, yeah. why is that happening? Yeah, why yeah. Is it, okay. <laughs> do you think, do you think that, I mean, is there, is, is there a chance that there'll be an, a, a level playing field in the future for anybody? I'll, I'll share this in America. No, there won't be. The way that uh, our government is set up, the way that the ambitions of greed and power and wealth and uh, I, I don't believe so. I think that they're always going to control laws and have laws over cannabis that restrict people from being free. And cannabis should be left alone, just like fucking tomatoes and any goddamn fucking other vegetable you grow. Leave them the fuck alone. They want to grow a million acres of it. And bring the price down so low that no one's going to buy it? Let them. Why? Because we're not going to buy that. What, what we're failing to realize at the, at the highest levels of government and politicians, lobbyists, and, and the people who are trying to pay to control these markets, listen, 
I'm going to say it flat out. You're fucking dumbasses. You're so smart with your money, but you're dumb. You've forgotten the catalyst of cannabis. And that's all the man. <laughs> and the communities aren't international. They're local. What do you mean? That could be a city block long. It could be two blocks by two blocks. And that's a community. Why? Because every little grocery store, laundromat, everything they need is on that little block. They don't have to leave it. Those are boroughs and boroughs of the boroughs of New York and large cities. And then there are communities like ours, the cannabis arena communities. I'm familiar with them all over the planet. I can go anywhere and the doors are open. Mr. Nye, please come sit down. They don't, I don't pay for nothing. For nothing. Why? People revere the work that we've done all these years i'm like a leg on a table that was built for cannabis to come and put your products on so that you could have a killer show so that knee can so that boston freedom rally can be done so that knee can can be done so that northeast leaf can write about it so that bean town green town can come and grow the killer weed that they all write about so the cannabis center of excellence can continue bringing great studies about veterans children uh local uh whatever it might be that this company does studies and data research to provide to commissions so that they can get the answers that they need in a way that's not biased by anybody it's not funded to say gear it this way sorry Charlie's people like me hold them accountable on my show and they love and revere me because they know if the, you, if, let me just say, go fucking around and trying to fuck up with social equity and economic empowerment in new England or anywhere for that matter with cannabis. And you're going to end up fuck your market's going to sink. You're going to lose your market share. Like here's, here's something I'm in New Hampshire. They just brought a bill forth that I told them, don't write a bill like this. What? Don't let the alcohol commission think they're going to control cannabis because it'll be a failure. You'll spend millions upon millions of dollars in buildings, jobs, this, that, and the other. Your market share is going to drop through the floor. You're going to be stuck royally fucked. Why? Because it was a hippie and a mom and pop that kept it alive all along. Now that all of New England's legal... You're going to go and control it so no one else can, uh, and only the dispensaries can grow it. Ha <laughs> ha, we got this market capped. Ha <laughs> ha. Wrong, assholes. We already spent 50 million plus a year on the surrounding and peripheral events and festivals and brands already. So, New Hampshire made a huge mistake. Let the state control, like socialism, communism, let them do it that way. And the guy that wrote the bill, uh, Daryl Abbas. I told him, don't do this, Daryl. Don't this. Oh, I just want to kick a field goal and appease some people. And it's like, listen, guy, that's the worst thing you could ever do. You're trying to get money from the alcohol commission to refund you or to, to fund you or the alcohol companies to fund you to do these things. Hey, listen, let me just tell you, it's not going to work. It didn't. It failed miserably. But the point was, we didn't get any further closer to being legal. In New Hampshire, what we need to do is what I've always said is we need to do at the New Hampshire way. We share the love. We're ultra conservative, we're liberal. What do you mean? We're ultra conservative liberals. How's that? That doesn't mean, it. that doesn't work. Well, what do you mean? We accept everybody in the rainbow. <laughs> right? We do, we, we really do. We help our neighbors here. We help nationally. We do a lot from New Hampshire, but the one thing that we do bad in New Hampshire as we have too many representatives, too many people trying to control everything for the voice of a few. 
and that voice is a party and that party's not speaking for the people they speak for what their needs are for their different uh regions and their different things for companies and businesses that they own and friends and different bills that they write to support themselves what they're failing to realize is that a farmer that's what we are um, don't get any pretense fucked up with cannabis believe you me we're farmers okay so when a, a farmer when i make my milk i can put it up on the corner and say milk five dollars a gallon okay if they come and buy it eggs dollar fifty a, a dozen yep i made butter milk and cheese they can come buy it right off my farm and oh by the way you're not taxing me because this is my product on my farm and my product i'm not being taxed for that in new hampshire that's what it's like well that's what they should do for cannabis but is there any place that's doing it correctly no not yet but here's what here's why Everybody's looking at agrees and the bills were written. Now, what I want to do is share what they need to do. <clears throat> what we need to do in New Hampshire is have a department. We already have one. It's called Weights and Means. So Ways and Means, we know how to weigh things. Oh, right. So you harvested how much, Mr. Naya? Well, I had a thousand plants and that thousand plants provided me with 2,500 pounds of dry cannabis. Okay, based on 2,500 pounds, you're, you're, you won't be taxed on that as the farmer, but when it goes to the manufacturer, because you know you can't manufacture it all yourself. Oh, you're right, I'm a farmer, I'm not in for that. Well, when you sell it to the manufacturer, he's gonna pay the tax. Oh, there you go, okay. Let the manufacturer pay that tax, the farmer doesn't. He shouldn't, he's, he's a farmer. farmer. Manufacturer should pay that tax. Then the manufacturer breaks down these joints into candies, cookies, oils, concentrates, cookies, can all fucking kinds of joints, packaged flour, everything. Then he, in turn, the manufacturer gets it over to the retail location. Then you can't be a retailer without a new computer that the state. Oh, well, the state owns this. You have to lease it from the state. Oh, why? Because. Every time you do a transaction and that little fucking thing goes beep, 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 it'll correlate with the weights and means from the farmer to the manufacturer. They'll be able to determine, hey, this is a concentrate. This gets taxed at this level. This is flour. This doesn't get taxed. This, this, this. And they'll be able to determine at the register each time that that skew goes beep, 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 and the transaction gets paid for immediately upon the swipe. One of the numbers on the barcode of that skew pays the state immediately the state gets paid upon the transactions swipe or if it's a cash payment and they're only paying cash for their cannabis that is already videoed it's already on video they're going to be watching all this shit if the cash transactions are picked up i'd have to say every day or every other day or every other morning with a state run beep beep fucking here i am give me the loot he's there with that iron fucking you know armored fucking truck picking up the cash, just like you do from grocery stores to move the cash, you come pick up your cash and you go take your cash. All the electronic balances are taken care of right off the register. So the state still has some control. They know that they're not getting fucked from the farmer. Then the manufacturer dicks around, throws it out the back door to his buddies. Uh-uh, there was 2,500 pounds of cannabis. Now show us what you did because based on what you said to extraction, you got five grams per ounce. They could tell where this product's moving. Right. Let me ask you a question. You know, one of the one of the the hangups that I think, and and we had a discussion about this the other day, and it seems to be a pretty uh, 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 everyone seemed to concur. 
one of the big hangups with a lot of the legal cannabis, no matter where it is, is the fact that you're having to purchase things that are inside a package where you cannot see what the cannabis is on the inside and or um, it's in something that's so small that you know that you're not able to, to get some big buds. How do you think um, might be an answer? Do you think there's a solution to that where uh, maybe even if it's like you could buy two ounce bags where, or two ounce containers where you could actually see large scale buds in there. Is that maybe one of the solutions to that? Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm in relative agreement to you. And then I'm in relative agreement to each his own. Each, yeah. you know, that's what happens out here in our arena. Our arena yeah, is too broad. You have different tech and technologies and services and providers and ciliary ideas that people are coming up with. They're like, wow, that's brilliant, man. If I just put my butt in that, it'll look great. So it's like it's like smoke is focus, for instance. They got yes, a small yes. jar you look at, if you turn the light LED on, you got a microphone, a magnifying glass on it, and you can see, oh, look at the trichomes, this looks great. That's a great way to sell it. But then again, once you leave the dispensary, they put the little bag. You don't know really what the fuck they really put in there. Some dispensaries have a big jar. They got the, the chopsticks or tongs and they go that, but this one, that one, there you go. And you can see what you're acquiring and purchasing, which is a great way to do it as well. Some have mirrored backgrounds with a glass front. You can see what you're buying. Uh, you don't get to open it, but they open up a jar for you to smell if it's a good dispensary. Uh, I think, again, to each his own when it comes to service provision, it's a retail market. Uh, you're out there to capture the market with your passion and knowledge of your passion and products. So people say saturated market, where? Can you show me what you mean by that? Because, you know, I'm a sponsor and founder of the Community Bonfire. We have two, three, four hundred different vendors that come every quarter, uh, spring, summer, fall and winter. We have our events and they're all professional. Every one of these people. Look, I've seen people show up with a cooler and a small card table. That's it. Then I go over, dude, what do you got here? Hey, that's pretty nice. Hey, listen. Here's a couple hundred bucks. Buy yourself a pop-up tent. Next time you come, I want to see you with a pop-up at a table, bro. There you go. That's cool. And they came back. And now when I see them, this is like four years ago, this particular tough person. But now they've got one of the two by tide scents. The big signs are all on it, painted. It's, 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 it's like doing it just like a, a, um, a Bernie Petri at 420 Cup. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. you. You were mentioning trichomes and, uh, you know, uh, I'm an interpreter and that's, that's my whole game is microscopes and getting in there. I have to tell you that uh, my jaw dropped when I saw some of your annihilator the other day. Oh, thank you. That was a blessing by my family. Uh, uh, hey, Flower Factory. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Flower Factory. Uh, that's, uh, nope. Greg, that's Greg Bauman and uh, Tracy McAfee and the owners of CryoCure. This is the hat that I'm wearing right now. CryoCure is not only my family, but they support me and sponsor me and they do a lot of stuff for me. Um, I just love Greg. He, he's a, let's put it this way. He saw me in a crowd when he came to an ECAN event or a big event here in Boston. He saw me walking and the, he's tall. He's about seven foot tall. And 
he saw me walking, but he noticed that people kept, hey, 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 and they, or people were flocking around me, and then I'd move a little and move a little, because that's what happens when, you know, I'm around, people kind of, hey, there's a superstar, there's a picture, look at an autograph, it's kind of cool, but he saw that, and he saw me walking down his row, and he pointed at me as I entered his, that aisle, and I looked down the aisle, I'm like, look at that big ass motherfucker, he's huge, <laughs> I'm walking, hey, hey, oh, hey, hey, 15 minutes it took to get down to him. But when I got there, he goes, dude, I don't know who the fuck you are, dude, but you're one cool son of a bitch. Here, I want you to try my cryo cure. Now, he had a jar. It was about two foot tall, and he had huge colas in it. And he pulls out this huge cola, and he snaps the very top of it off. He goes, here, take this outside right now. Go smoke this wherever you want, and then come back. I want you to tell me what you think. So I went out, we did it. And I came right back and I said, dude, that was fucking amazing, man. The flavor, the fucking whole thing. He goes, can you do that live for me right now? And I, what <laughs> do you mean? I go, you want me to do it live right now? And I did it. Mm-hmm. And I sent it for him. And he was like, whoa, this guy's for real, real. And we become friends ever since. And um, I promised him, he, he, he brought me out to the Michigan High Times Cup. I got there. I'm with DJ Stenny, Scott Audet, uh, 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 Sean Patton, all these guys from uh, New England, from Boston. We're coming over to check it out. We're all big shot winners. And we're all, you know, we're coming into Michigan to see what it's that like, right? When we get there, I'm walking around and I get back to the cryo cure area and I go, I'm going to end up on stage at this event. And everybody in there looked at me and go, Ricky, knock it off, man. Come on, bro. Really, bro. And I went, are you, fu- you think I'm fucking kidding me? Watch this. And Greg goes, hey, cameraman, follow Ricky. I get out there with my camera, and I'm like, right on, everybody. How you doing? How you doing? I'm just doing my Rick Nyer live rage side, showing everybody everything, because I, I got a thing. It's called Rick Nyer rage side. Stay tuned next week. I'm going to be at Elements. It's one of the largest... Just follow me next week. I'm going to be doing live setup of the stages at one of the biggest events in all of the Northeast. It's just, shoot, just called Elements festival elements. Okay. elements festival just go online and look and you'll see and you'll go, i'll put a oh, post up i'll put a post up but i'm gonna be rage side on our stages live with the bands with everybody you know me i'm i'm rage side guest hosting i'm gonna send it at rage but you'll be able to see what i do when i do rage sides so it's just basically like you know it's kind of like what you like doing when you go but i truly yeah. expose it from like the the lady in the back that's cooking, and I go back to her. I do like a Guy Fieri kind of a thing. Oh, I love Niners, it. Drivers and dives. I'm like that for cannabis. What's that mean? I just go everywhere. Card launch. Let's go. Send it. What do you got? So they saw me doing this, and then I noticed at the stage, I saw a bunch of guy with billboard, you know, clipboards, writing shit, talking, and going over walkie-talkie stuff. And I went, "Hey, you guys, get over here! I got about ten thousand people watching right now. Live action. Come on!" And they all, oh, oh, oh. And they, they hustled over to the fence because I wasn't able to get backstage yet. And I'm, and I'm sharing it with them. They see all the hearts going, bling, 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 and they thought they were, there was 10,000 people watching. There were. And they were like, oh, hi, I'm this guy. I'm that guy. I'm this guy. We're with High Times. We're this, that, and the other. I'm going, oh, fuck, these guys really are High Times. Right on. Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I think I just fucked up. But I didn't know yet. And I'm like, all right, right on, you guys. Thanks very much. We'll see you later. And I kept walking, and the camera guy kept following me, right? I got up to the top of the hot, there's a big high times, the big red high times blocks and everybody always stands in front of and get pictures. I stood in front of the high times things. The guy's taking video and pictures of me and he thinks, yeah, this is fucking cool. All of a sudden I look up and I see these guys running along the track and you can see that they were looking for somebody. 
And I go, hey, camera dude, look, that's them dudes. I think they're looking for me. And he goes, yeah, right. Sure enough. Oh, and they came running. There he is. They found me. Dude, man, you're cool as fuck, dude. Hey, we're having a show at four o'clock. We want you on stage with us at, if, to enter the coolest guy at the High Times event of Michigan, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, right on. You'll see me down there, man. And the camera guy is looking at me like this, like, mm -hmm. videoing all this. It is destiny. We walk back to CryoCure. Hey, guys, I'm going to be on stage at 4 o'clock for the 420 coolest guy at the High Times event in Michigan. And they all looked at me and went, yeah, bullshit. The camera guy walks up. He goes, look, everybody. <laughs> he showed them all. They're going, Ricky, you're going to, oh, my God, no way. So I end up going up on stage. With a with a jar full of cryo cure, <laughs> Greg, Greg, and they're all standing out front watching the camera guys because they can't come rage side. I'm rage side now, so I'm backstage and there there he is, one of the heads of High Times over on a table rolling some weed. And I go, I don't know who he is. I didn't know the guy at all. I walk over and go, dude, put that shitty weed away. This is what you want to smoke. And I popped open the jar and I poof. And he goes, holy fuck, what the fuck is this? And I go, dude, this is cryo cure, bro. Here you go. This is lemoncello. Hit that. So he rolls that up. We're hanging out back there. We're start smoking. And they're all carrying. I'm standing like I own the place. And they're looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy, man? And we get on stage. I'm with a bunch of guys. And we're, see, they're, we're telling our story and all this shit. And I tell my story about this event. Guess who won? <laughs> cryo cure. Surprise. So we won. I won. We all won. The whole place won. It was cool as shit. The old man won. And everybody loved it. And the guys at Tide Times were just bullshit with me. Like, dude, you're cool as a motherfucker, dude. Who the fuck are you? But they never knew. And then Did I told them, hey, dude, I'm the great grandfather of hybrid cannabis. I'm Rick Naya. They're like, uh, who? Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to meet any of the old school, the, the old uh, uh, High Times guys, the Steve Hager? Uh, any of well, those guys? I, I've met a number of them. Steve Bloom, I've met. Uh, I've met. Uh, 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 I'm looking at his face right now, and he was on my show several times. Um, he did all the photographs, all the Indian photographs, all the Bud photographs. He's the photographer, Malcolm McKinnon. Yeah, Malcolm McKinnon, and uh, not really because you know when your mother's a director general of the embassies, you're not running around with stoners. You're yeah, playing yeah. At the country club and playing golf and polo. You're fishing and fucking, and you're not. You're you're, you're quiet. So when I came out, I came out really, really late in my career. And even Danny Danko said that he goes, you know, if you'd have come out back in the day, Rick, you know where you'd be right now. It says I'm there now. I never left. I never missed a stride. And now what's happened is, well, hey, he's the world MVP. He's won every, you know, lifetime this, like, I've, I've won every award that's out there from all the biggest events, but I'm still not done. There's still a lot of work to do. And Dude, I, and it shows. It shows. There's a fire that is burning inside you. You are such an inspiration. Again, I, I sat in your show and, you know, for, for 30 minutes, I sat and watched you promoting, you know, all of your supporters, all your groups, all of your everything. And it was phenomenal. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, the guy is a fucking machine. This is, this is, this is, uh, if you're going to set the bar, this is the bar. And uh, dude, uh, so impressed and uh, so honored. I'm thrilled that you're, uh, 
uh, you're able to come up. What is the next events for you? What's coming up? Oh, good God almighty, dude. Oh my God. All right. So I tell everybody all the time, if, if I'm not working, if you don't book me <laughs> January or end of December, January before April, if you haven't booked me to do something, forget about it. Why? Because I'm, I'm booked. What do you <laughs> yeah. mean? Every weekend. What do you mean? Every weekend. I'm, I'm a guest host. I'm the host and the owner, founder of my show. I do that on Thursdays, sometimes Wednesdays, like tonight. Tonight, there's going to be a very special episode that we're going to do for MassCam, and it is for the Boston Freedom Rally. And I'm really looking forward to unleashing this one because it's got the very first cannabis cup that the Boston Freedom Rally has ever held. So I'm really excited about that. You know, That's it's cool. just going to be, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a fun event. And it's, it's just what I do, man. It, it's inherent, a gift from my mother. My mother was the diplomat. She was the dignitary. My grandmother was a matriarch of, of the umpteenth degree at the church socials. The, she was the Cuban, like, uh, Mother Teresa. I don't know what to call it. The lady that, you know, you wrote to the article in the magazine and she wrote about it. What was that called back in the day in the, in the newspapers? Dear Abby. That was my grandmother in Cuba. Dear Abby. Wow. Oh, God. So my grandmother was one of these old fortuitous fucking, oh, over-the-top moralists. Just oh. really over the, but it kept me in check. Otherwise, I'd be dead or in prison. And you know, my mom with her grace and her dignity and diplomacy, being a teacher and a principal, and just being around kids. And just, my, my mom was phenomenal. My sister was a hell of a, a you know cheerleader my whole life, and it kind of kept me in check too. I, I, I have a blessed family, man. My nieces and nephews, and my grandkids, and just everything that I have, I've relinquished. I just hope that later when I'm gone, that they'll be able to look back and go, you know something? He did it his way. He obeyed his God. We all knew there was something special about him. We didn't know how special, but we knew there was something special about Dickie. That's my nickname, Dickie. Yeah, there was, wasn't there, that something happened as a child that that light that we speak of came to me as a child in those woods. Yeah, things happen in those woods for a day or two. Three of them in black epitome of, of horror and two of them in the bosom of something that can only be explained or known by those who have stepped that, that primordial step of reality to truly go over the, the bunny hole and dive in head first, not be shoved in from behind. So uh, it's truly a blessing to, to know what I know and to be able to share and exude it like you say rick man you exude it i i told you i i, I tell you look, just look at me when you see me i'm like this all the time Dude, what's with rick i don't know he's lit there's something about his already his energies that he understands is on this path for the light that you have all people have and i just feel it when i'm with it so when i'm with it it's all about cannabis because i was chosen for that something chose me long long ago without my knowledge and when i did understand and when the here's another thing when i when i found out that i was the great grandfather hybrid cannabis here in america i knew that my own chivalry took over my own genomics my blue blood took over and i went god my highest powers this is it this is the biggest honor you could bestow upon anything and i took it very critically very humbling and i i weep from it it's the most meek i can lay down like a sheet of paper and evaporate due to the feelings that i get when i know that i'm doing the work 
of the light. And when people know me and they get the vibe with me, they know this motherfucker's for real. And he is living that. That's why he's that. And that's why you say the things you do and others share the same sentiments that, uh, you know, we all have something in common, you know, whether it be friends. Rastafari. Rastafari to me, Barada. was a director Dude. general of the embassies of Jamaica. And I, I, I grew up a lot in Jamaica with Jamaicans, and they blessed my soul, brother, in a way that I'm come now. You know, I'm coming out of things. You know, you have to be from the outer know. You're out That's of many. Right. We are one in Jamaica. You see here. We um, are all blessed. We're blessed to be touched yeah, that way. It's, it is a special power. But um, I'm, again, humbled and honored that you're able to join us. And I know that you're going to be coming back and seeing us again because you are on the cutting edge of what's going on. And anything that's going on, when some shit goes down, you're going to be the first one to call and find out what really happened. So, <laughs> yeah, you can follow that on my show. You can follow me on Facebook. Most people post on my page or I'll share things people post about me on my page or from different events. But I'll be doing I'll be doing elements uh, right away. I'm actually I'm going to Homie Collective uh, tomorrow. Uh, after I do my show, I'm gonna pack up and I'm gonna hold Homie Collective. Then I'm homie, going to, say that again. Homie H O M I E. The Homie Collective, which okay. is in Lebanon, Maine. It's a four day event of bands, artisans, uh, uh, light shows, um, a cannabis cup. They got a lot of things going on at this collective. Okay. What it is. It collective of bands who played throughout new england and they know each other from all the different festivals they played at they finally one of them said hey fuck what let's do one for ourselves the homies so the homies are putting together a really groovy low budget low end let's send it and that's what we're doing we're sending the homie collective i have a banner of that as well up here somewhere where are you my homie collective and it's called the homie collective camp out lebanon maine this weekend so that's where i'm going to be i love uh, it you're saving me so much editing time you have your own graphics it's like the best <laughs> yeah that's what i do brother. i bring them together so uh, like listen here's what we do thursdays it's fruits and veggies and, and farmers so you show up dressed like that friday you, you wear space pirate clothes saturday witches wizards and warlocks and so forth and sunday pride power people so you, you think about this we get out there as as adults and musicians and family members with our families and kids. We get out there, we have a heyday over the weekend and, and, and some of the best music that's out there. So I'm really excited about that. So then again, I go to Elements and then I come back and then we have the Pennsylvania uh, 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 Cannabis Festival. OK, and then we have the Florida, Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival, the Florida Cannabis Festival. Uh, this is the Pocono Festival, which is April 23rd, 22nd, 23rd in Poconos. I'm a guest host for the event with Zick Productions and my family, Zick, uh, uh, Mandy Zick and Jeff Zick from Zick Productions. Uh, that's some of the biggest events in the nation, Florida Cannabis Festival and the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival. And then I've got an event to do with uh, Rob Robbins from the New York Harvest Festival. Uh, here's the Florida one. Uh, where's my New York Harvest Fest logos? I know have we you have. Heard, I heard about something that I'd never heard of before called the Champs Festival. Have you heard of that one yet? Oh, well, Champs is an Champs event. Trade that, show. Champs, yeah, Champs trade, trade show. show. Right. Champs does events. And I do know that uh, uh, my brother and sponsor and dear friend Bernie Petrie does a lot of the promo for them uh, with 420 custom promos. So if you don't know Bernie, then you don't, you're not really in the scene scene. Uh, if you want to get into the scene and get your swag out there and get it made at the price that you know that is, is probably the most competitive just due to the fact he does all the biggest trade shows. 
that he can, he's the man that, yeah. Then Uncle I think Stoner, I'd like to interview Bernie. Yep, you probably will. Uncle Stoner, myself, uh, thanks so many different uh, brands that he's branded up. And mm -hmm. he's helping. And, he, and you know, Uncle Stoner, Bobby. Bobby's a very good oh, yeah. friend The best. I'll see him in two weeks in Amsterdam. Yep, he's coming for the squash off there. Mm -hmm. I'm one of his judges for the squash off. I'm I'm judging the Jack Herrick Cup, and then I'm uh, going right into the squash off. It's my first squash off. Do you know Chris Chiari from the Patterson Inn? Absolutely, had him on the show twice. I he, love uh, that guy. That guy. Oh, man, I've known Chris. Look, man, I, yeah. He just got his license, dude. He just. I was so happy for him. I said, "You just broke hey, the broke the, the rules." You see, Dutch. Uh, Tommy Chong, who goes, hey, you look like Tommy. Well, no, no, I don't look like Tommy Chong, guys, and, and I don't look like Cheek Marin. But if you put me with them, the three of these guys, if you ever saw all the four of us together, you know, you, you, you'd be at, you'd be like, oh my God, because, yeah. Yeah, Tommy's phenomenal. I, ju I just had him on the show a couple of weeks ago I, as well. I he's saw, one of my, I saw that. I love that man. He's, he's, you know, he was the very first concert I ever saw in my life. Oh, uh, wow, man. Yeah. Bernie Culture Clothing, he's the one that does all that wild ass Love that. dip devices, yes. flicker lighters, and all of that kind of swaggery that he does. He, he, oh. he, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's the man. Yeah, cool. yeah. Bernie, there, here he is. Here's Bernie's. So, yep. That's too. Wow. Yeah, he, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in touch with him next. Yeah, you're going to get in touch with him next. Here's the Florida Festival. I'll be there. So yeah, it's a nonstop thing. Uh, I love supporting Greenleaf. Uh, they do a lot for me. And uh, I just love supporting a lot of people who, who were the ones that found me and they, this is the great grandpa, he's the guy. And uh, I wanna thank Heather Marie Brown, Erica Goltler uh, for helping with the, all the medical stuff we did in New Hampshire to bring that to life. Yeah, I wanna awesome. thank you. I wanna thank hey. you for the work that you do. Thank you. Dude, I have, you are, you're, you're burning the path, man. We're, we're all just, uh, we're, we're sniffing the fumes and getting fucked up because you got some good shit up there. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to tell you, I've smoked some of the finest cannabis on the planet. Not only do I breed and grow, uh, but you had asked earlier about, you know, the, the, the Nihilator. And yes. it was, it's Greg uh, with, with CryoCure. And okay. he was the one that bred it. And he, he took my seeds and he did the hunt. He put it out there. He's paid to have it tested and photographed. And he's the one that's preserved it uh, with CryoCure. And he's saving me a bunch to share with me. Damn. But the, the greatest thing above all things is that he's a breeder, cultivator, grower. Okay. He's not out there fucking around. He's only selling and providing the very best in the world. Well, he took a video of his, of one of his, his room, his primary room. He goes, Rick, look what's in the middle. And my plant was the biggest, most lush, most banging, uh, most productive, uh, most all of the above things that you'd want as a provider. This plant has it. And Greg's proving that for me. And I I love him the pieces, man, Uncle Hooter. Yeah. I love the things that I've shared with people yeah. that know. And I told him, dude, no, really, it's world class, bro. And, and he, many people are going to go, yeah, whatever. There's a lot of good weed out here right now, right? No. There's that you could tell. I could tell as soon as I saw as soon as I saw the close-up with the trichome heads that were all cloudy and fucking full and perfect. It looked like it looked like I, I heard angels. Ah! <laughs> said that's what I'm this talking about right there. That he took. Yeah, this is ones that he took while they were live on plot. This was not from um now I'm gonna post I've got the picture. I already saw the picture that you had posted on your uh on your Instagram or the Facebook page. It's 
unbelievable. That one, there's one bud that is just pristine. Oh, I have uh, photographs of buds that are this long stacked from top to bottom uh, that I didn't want to put on the page because I just wanted to show a bud, a close up, you know, a, a nobule, a close up, a mm -hmm. calyx, it's close up. And yeah. then we saw the stigma and then the close up of the stigma. I didn't yeah. want to overdo it. He sent me like 60 photographs, yeah. 40 of them were of different buds from all over the plant. And it, 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 it actually, if you had a, you know, a, a, a five foot by five foot plant, you put one nihilator under it, you're going to get two and a half pounds or more of buds that are that long of what, what, you, what, you know, what you saw just amazing Dude. cannabis. I can't wait to get the test results back, but he goes, Ricky, it's unlike anything I've ever seen in 20 years. It's, it's she's the showpiece of, of my room. He's, wow. he's well, very happy to say it. It's very got it's it's got the picture uh, appeal. I mean, I'm all the way over here in Portugal, and and you know, from over here, I went. You know, I I, I want to jump on a plane and get over there. <laughs> Unreal, sir. Sure. Thank you so much for your time. And you. uh, again, I, I love you. Love everything that you do. Um, and uh, I I can't wait to uh, get a chance to run into you at one of these events. I know I'm going to get to see you soon. And uh, much, much, much respect. The big one's going to be the Boston Freedom Rally. It's September 17th. We're going to take over Boston Commons. There'll be 100,000 people there with vendors galore from all facets of our arena, from old school, new school, late school, early blossoms. Everybody are going to be there. Uh, we have education villages. Stay tuned this evening. I'm going to be doing an unleash for the Boston Freedom Rally. And from what I gathered, I'm going to be the guest host from 4 to 4, 420, so we can kick off the entire entire puff session for the world to see and i'm really looking forward to that so yeah, right on to everybody awesome. much love to you uncle hooter or, or captain hooter uncle hooter you like uncle? <laughs> i'll uncle. be an uncle i'll be yeah, your uncle right. we smoke some yeah <laughs> <laughs> right on brother thank you so much for having me on your show until i see you next time have a great day a great week much love to you man right on much love peace brother i was trying to imagine what it would be like taking 90 hits of acid, 80 hits of acid, however many hits of acid that was. I wonder if it'd be like this. Yeah, baby. This is the way I'd like it to be if I took 90 hits of acid. This is cool. Transitioning into another dimension. Oh, yeah. This is cool. And I can see we're getting ready to come to another land ahead of us. This is cool. All right, everybody.
Thanks for watching. We will be back on Wednesday next week with a brand new Wake and Bake with Captain Hooter. Stay crispy, everyone. <laughs> it's Captain Hooter. Far out, man.